You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 157. For this edition of the podcast, I chatted with Chris Rossi of the Los Angeles-based band Smokescreens. This jangly indie pop trio dropped their awesome third LP, A Strange Dream, in October of last year, and it was my number one most favorite record of 2020. Like their first two full-lengths, the band continues to wear their Kiwi influences on their sleeves, but on a strange dream, they focused on sharpening their sound and expanding their dynamic guitar interplay. The band also recruited one of their musical heroes, New Zealand music legend David Kilgore of The Clean, to produce the album, and it was recorded over the course of a week in picturesque Topanga Canyon. During our interview, Chris and I talked about the recording process behind A Strange Dream, what it was like hanging out and working with David Kilgore, his background playing music in Southern California, and much more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. Right, awesome. Well, Chris Rossi, great to have you on Look at My Records. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Great to have you. Really, really stoked to talk with you. A Strange Dream was my favorite record of 2020. Wow, that's really, that means a lot to me. It's really cool for someone to pick that as their number one top record of the year. So I, I definitely feel flattered and and thank you so much anytime it's my pleasure it really nails everything i love about music and guitars i'm really into the sound that you create through your music so it's just totally right up my alley and the songs are so well crafted i just really really like it and it's cool i feel like every year there's always one record. I like a lot of records, but there's always one record every year that I hear it. And then I'm like, this is my favorite record of the year. And it usually happens later in the year. So you, the record came out in October. So it was like, I heard it and I was like, damn, you know, that first <laughs> song, A Fork in the Road, really fucking hits you. And yeah. it's just pure, pure jangly pop goodness which is what i'm all about so well thanks same here like um you can probably tell uh the band and myself really into the jangly pop of all the bands before us like you can tell we're uh heavily influenced by all, all the jangle bands yeah that's my shit so before we get into the record though 2020 was insane year you put out a record. You also, congratulations, had a son, which is awesome. What was it like releasing a record during the pandemic? Um, it kind of a double-edged sword. Um, on the one side of it, there was a lot less pressure because, you know, you didn't really have to do a tour or be playing a bunch of shows. So there was really nothing we could really do besides put the record out um so the, like a lot of of the release cycle was kind of off our shoulders which previously you know when a record comes out we'd, we'd do a tour and probably play as many shows around town as we could so that part was actually kind of cool um very low pressure but on the other hand um frustrating too because now it's totally out of our control so just kind of have to hope we kind of had to hope for the best once the record was out and live. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems like there's good aspects of just putting out the record, focusing on the record and getting it out into the world and not having to worry about 
booking a tour or doing all these different things. But those things are also fun to do. And hopefully they'll be back this year because we'd love yeah. to see Smoke Screens live. Yeah, we actually uh, we got to play um, the songs from the album one time at a show before lockdown went into effect. And that was at the um, Slumberlands Records 30th anniversary party. Um, so we're we're looking forward to getting to play those songs live once once we're able to for sure. Yeah, that must have been a great show. Tell me about the relationship with Slumberland Records. I know they put out your first your second record used to yesterday, and now they also put out a strange dream as well. How'd you hook up with uh, Mike Shulman's his name, right? Yeah, Mike. Mike was actually at one. Um, it was our second show. We actually went up to San Francisco to play with Terry Maltz and uh, Real Numbers, which both bands were already on Slumberland. And um, Mike was like front row and center and dancing through our whole set, um, which was awesome. And I met him that night and we kind of forged a, a relationship. He, he had already known one of the members of our band, um, Corey, who was also in Terry Maltz. So we kind of forged a relationship there and kind of talked on and off the next year or so until um, we sent him the album used to yesterday. And then um, from there, we've kind of been on the label. It's our kind of home, right? as you could say. Yeah, it's just like a great fit in knowing the history of that label and the great stuff they put out within the sound that you guys play. It's totally like perfect label for what type of music you're making. Yeah, um, it was always a kind of a goal for me to be on the label. So when I met Mike and then when he asked us to do the record, um, I was just, you know, blew my head up because I, it was like something I saw as like uh, one of my life goals. And now to be a part of that's really special to me. Yeah, it's very, very cool. It's a cool goal to have and to have achieved that goal and to be a part of the history of that label too, because they've been around for like 30 years. So it's very, very cool. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about your background in music. I've noticed a lot of bands and musicians who play this type of indie pop that's influenced by bands that were really dominant on college radio in the 80s or New Zealand bands. It takes them a little while to get to that as far as the so type of songs that they're writing and stuff like that. So I'm curious about bands that you played in before smoke screens and what type of music you were playing before you ultimately started this project and decided to hone in on this type of sound um well i've been in two bands prior to smoke screens my, my first band was called the anasazis um we were from san diego and it was like a garage rock band this was like around 2007 to 9 probably influenced by a lot of the 60s garage rock and girl groups like the nuggets compilations and pebble yeah. stuff and so that's like kind of where i started with bands and then um you know all the stuff from the 80s that i love is influenced by stuff from the 60s, 60s so there's like yeah. the, the there's a total connection there yeah and like even during that time that's when I first heard um, The Clean right during my first band. So, like, that was, like, kind of a total shift, being more into the hearing The Clean and The Modern Lovers and just kind of starting to lean into that. And then when, when that band kind of fizzled, I was not playing in bands for maybe two or three years. I had moved to Austin and then uh, moved back to San Diego and started another band called Plateaus. And that band was kind of a mixture of a lot of things because all four members of the band kind of had input. So there was kind of a hodgepodge. There definitely was like a jangly pop side to the band, but then more of like a punk and kind of rough around the edges side to it also. It was, but it wasn't until I left that band and um, wanted to do a new thing here in LA that I really wanted to focus in on the indie pop. And the first, the first album our the goal was just to kind of sound exactly like the clean or tv personalities like kind of try to copy it as best we could and then um from there the band just kind of expanded the more we got into 
the stuff from England and uh, like the C eighty six stuff, and then the go betweens. What attracted you to that sound originally when you first heard the clean? What really stood out to you about those bands from New Zealand and Australia that were making this really gorgeous pop music? I think the clean really struck me first because of my I really was I mean I've always been a huge fan of the Velvet Underground and then I think from there hearing Modern Lovers I was like whoa this this sounds like the Velvet Underground and I, I became obsessed with the Modern Lovers and then when I heard the clean I was like oh this sounds like the Modern Lovers and Velvet Underground <laughs> it's all like the, the, um, the guitar style of the drone yeah. I really love that like droney guitar um, and I, actually for the for the playlist I picked that Philly song because that totally is like right in there but that sounds like those kind of things so um i think it's the droning guitar and, and the fact of um i really like catchy songs and and, and beautiful melodies but I, I also really like punk too so like the clean to me was the perfect yeah. blend of like punk and um like perfect pop songs and then from there i think my taste grew to to like more straightforward pop songs and such like but i still love punk too but I think on the new record, um, you, you don't hear it as much. Totally. And I did want to ask you about that because I noticed in listening to Used to Yesterday, which I've been a huge fan of that record since it came out as well. But this record, A Strange Dream, definitely sounds different. It sounds brighter. The, the guitars are less fuzzy in comparison. I think your voice is also more prominent on the record as well to me it kind of reminds me it's not an exact um perfect comparison but you mentioned the feelies and crazy rhythms as their first record and then their second record the good uh, the good earth which sounds really different and you know incorporates more acoustic guitars has this more autumnal like pastoral sound to it which I feel like it's kind of the direction that smoke screens went in w went in with a strange dream. What do you think prompted you to head in this direction with your sound? Did you want it to sound different? Yeah, we did. Um, you, you actually kind of hit the nail on the head. We, we were listening to that Phillies, the second Phillies record a ton. Uh, we were also listening to um, David Kilgore's solo album. Yes, here come dude, the, exactly. I was thinking here, that too. Yeah, here, here come the cars and Sugarfish, like or Sugar Mouth, um, a lot, and then and then all the go between stuff, and um, also the Closed Lobsters had a big um, influence on the the new album, and and McCarthy, if you're familiar with that yes. band. Um, we 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 wanted, I wanted in the band, we wanted to have um, kind of a bigger sound than the previous albums, and a higher fidelity of recording we we went the lo-fi route on the first two albums and and really my whole musical career kind of have gone that route and um since we had david coming to produce the, the album we really wanted to kind of record it proper so we s sought out kyle malarkey who has a really nice studio in topanga canyon here in los angeles and um kind of wanted to make the effort to make the album bigger and kind of more in line with those albums I just mentioned that we were like had on heavy rotation. Yeah, totally. And it's so funny that you mentioned the clean to David Kilgore's solo work, because I definitely heard that too, where it's used to yesterday sounded like a clean record. This sounds like David Kilgore's early solo records for sure. So that's, that's funny that you mentioned that that's definitely spot on too. Yeah. I feel like we're pretty obvious with all of our, I don't, we're not hiding anything like you could tell the stuff like, oh, there's a riff from this song and that and one of the we do that a lot. That's kind of fun to me to put little like Easter eggs in all the songs. That's a good thing. It's <laughs> it's very, very good. It's a great, great, enjoyable listen for sure. But this is super cool that you got to work with David Kilgore on this record, which is really, really amazing must have been an incredible experience for you being a fan of uh, Flying Nun bands and his work. How did that happen? How'd you meet and connect with him? And 
what just what was it like being able to work with a musician who's influenced you in such a big way? Uh, man, it was it was really totally surreal and kind of unbelievable. And that's what kind of that's what gave the album the name "A Strange Dream" because that's exactly how it felt. Um, we the way it kind of all worked out was totally crazy in a way. I just had. Um, sent him a message on Facebook and asked him, Hey, you know, we're a big fan of your, of you and your band. And would you be interested in producing our next album? And I sent him used to yesterday. Uh, I think he, he probably listened to the album like right away because in about an hour he had written me back and said something along the lines of like, this is pure pop, like <laughs> very, very groovy or something like that. And we kind of started the dialogue then and, and then kept talking back and forth and was sending demos to him and he was giving little comments back and then basically it came down to like, all right, um, I'm going to buy the plane ticket. And then once we bought the plane ticket, it was like a, a done deal. And the, the recording experience was really cool because like I mentioned before, we were did, do, did the record in Topanga Canyon and um, the studio had um, a back house and a couple of trailers. So um, David and the band, we were all able to stay on the um, property for the five days. And it was really a, like a beautiful property. There were pig, two pigs, there were chickens, <laughs> there was a tortoise, there were dogs. And we were like 10, 15 minutes from the beach. So we'd wake up and go to the beach in the morning. And it was totally like, I don't think you could have imagined a more perfect experience to make a record as a you know especially as a fan of, of the person you're doing it with it, it was it was unreal i can't even explain to you the feeling yeah that's so cool and i do want to get into what it was like in the studio but it seems like you got to spend like real time hanging out with and getting to know him as well what was that like for you that must have been really cool to spend just a week with someone that you look up to as a musician and getting to know them as a person. Yeah, like at first it was a little, you you know, you're a little worried. You're like, I, what's he going to be like? I don't want to be too much of like a super fan, you know, kind of like, okay, keep your cool, Chris. Like, don't be a total nerd. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, we, we met a couple of days before we did the recording and we, we met and had... Um, like a meal together. And then um, the next night, he, we went to see Yola Tango together. So that oh, was really that's cool. Sick. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so what, what was really cool was so we're in the audience with him, and then he disappears. And next thing you know, he's on stage um, doing a song with Yola Tango. And we're like, oh shit, that's so cool. And uh, so we got to hang out a little bit before. Um, but once we got there, I don't, I, I felt like it was just like, really meant to be our personalities not not only mine and him but the whole band collectively and kyle who was recording the band um everybody's personalities just aligned perfect and we were joking and there was hot tubs we're doing hot tubs together and <laughs> cooking we had we would make dinner in the back house together and it was just it was really unreal it was really really cool yeah that's cool that sounds like a lot of fun and also just the experience of recording a record in five days on you know separated from your normal surroundings have you ever recorded a record like that before and how do you think that environment helped or shaped the sound of the record at all oh it was great i i, I have not recorded like that before we would kind of um the first record we recorded in two days just just kind of rented a studio and did as much as we could. Um, the second album, we, we did a, like a couple days here, a couple days there until till it was ready, till it was done. But this one, having the five days just all laid out back to back and everyone's at the same place. Not, I imagine now it's like how some of the coolest records get made like that. Like the, it really captured a vibe, which yeah. I think. Um, some I think our first two records might have fallen short on accomplishing that um, because yeah, being there together and just doing all that, just spending all that time together and having nothing else to do but make the record really, really um, benefited it, I think. Yeah, and 
I wasn't familiar with Topanga Canyon. I've been to LA a handful of times, but I looked it up and it looks like it's like a beautiful, beautiful place. And listening to the record, looking at where it was, I could see, oh yeah, this makes sense that this record came out of that place because it really fits the vibe of the atmosphere, it seems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I imagine it was like, it, you know how like the, the all those records got made in Laurel Canyon. Yes, yes. It's kind of like I guess to me it feels something like that because um, I, I think even like Neil Young had a had a cottage up there somewhere in Topanga Canyon at one point. Um, yeah, it totally. Even if you just go there for the day, there's a totally a vibe um, in that in that little area. Nice. I'm all about vibes. All about Topanga yeah. Canyon vibes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you get a chance, it's a cool place to visit. The beach is right there, and it's pretty cool. So what was it like with uh, David in the studio? What do you think he brought to the recording sessions that helped you with the finished product and how it wound up sounding? David was pretty laid back in the studio. Um, we exchanged a lot of notes beforehand when it came to maybe some of the... Um, song structures and stuff when it came down to recording we kind of had a really good idea of what we were going to do and he kind of um just kind of laid back and when it came to overdubbing is when he really um had a lot more input you know he's like oh we should maybe add this kind of guitar here or try that there but um he had a lot of confidence in us and he he thought we we already he, he kept saying like oh you don't need me to do anything you guys you guys know how to make a song blah 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 but he would give input here and there that we would really take and um i think also he elevated our he elevated everybody's like skills like we we raised the bar to say yeah um that because he was there we we were able to kind of really be the best that we could be he brought that out of us i think did you learn anything from these sessions working with him that you think you'll take to the next record or anything in particular that you saw him do or even going into the ses sessions that you thought, Hey, this is actually a really good idea. And I'm going to take this forward with me for when I write music going forward, when I record music going forward. One thing that really stood out that I think what I'll take with me for sure is um, during the vocals, he suggested to kind of back off the vocals and sing a little quieter, which is something I never really tried before. But by doing so on some of the songs where I, I tried that, it sounds really cool. And it was a lot, actually a lot easier than trying to sing like louder. Um, so I think that's something that I'll continue to um, experiment with. And yeah, just, um, I don't know. It, it, it was such a kind of a whirlwind experience. It's hard to pick out like, you know, yeah. those little things. That's cool. That's definitely interesting. I never thought of that either, singing quietly, but very cool. Um, did you record to tape during these sessions? Was this a studio where you recorded to tape? Uh, we did like a hybrid. So yeah. um, all the original tracking that we did, so like the, the main chunk of the stuff the full band you know we did live and we did it to uh i think it was a uh, 16 track and then um from there we bounced it into pro tools and, and overdubbed it with pro tools so it's kind of like a hi hybrid did you record your past records live with all the members of the band in the same room or was it more fragmented we did um both of the first records live too to tape and um, we used the 388 on the first two records the Tascam 388 quarter inch it's a pretty low-fi kind of machine but it has a certain sound oh yeah That's absolutely cool. totally and diving into some of the songs on the record uh you get a little political into class disparities and streets of despair i feel like it's a song really reflective of that and it's a problem that kind of seems to be increasing, especially in the United States. I was just curious what in particular informed that song, what inspired that song? Well, basically living in LA, um, it's one of the richest cities probably in the world. And um, it's probably has, it's also has some of the most obvious poverty I, I've ever seen. Like there's homeless encampments all over the city 
um, especially downtown, where we're actually this. I, I came up with the idea of the song. I was walking downtown, and there's homeless encampments next to these super luxury apartments. It's just kind of a really sad thing to see, and you see almost like these wealthy people basically just stepping over the the um, homeless. In a way, it's just um, I don't know. It just really strikes a chord here in LA. I feel like there's so much money here they the, the problem there it could be a lot better than it is but it doesn't seem like anybody with power or money really wants to make a big enough effort to try to change it um so it's just something you see here in LA every day everywhere you go yeah totally here in New York as well unfortunately and it doesn't seem to be getting much better but it's cool that you wrote a song about that and fit it into this record where I feel like some of the other songs are expressing some frustration with things that happen in life as you enter your late 20s and early 30s and the frustration with maybe things not going the way you had thought they would. I feel like that's a little bit on Fork in the Road and Working Title as well. But I like how you go through the record and then it kind of comes to the end with the final track, I Love Only You, which is this really sweet ballad and love song where you you know, tell a loved one that you'll love them no matter what. And in the beginning of the song, you kind of go through these different frustrations and things that happen in life. But ultimately, it's like this calm, serene, nice ending to the record. Did you deliberately sequence it like that? Did you want it to play out like that or anything? Um, that, it's really cool to, to hear like uh, someone's interpretation of the record that way. But um, we've uh, putting the track list together was like uh, I guess just kind of like what felt right yeah. musically, like the how the record flowed and sounded, and I think just maybe it worked out the way. It did, like how you said, just because of let's how the song sounded and the vibe went that way. Um, ending the song with I Love Only You was a no-brainer. It just had that kind of like, this is the end song kind yeah. of sound to it, you know? Yeah. Um, but but it's really cool to hear like an interpretation of that. And, and I totally could see like how you came to that. Yeah. How'd you put together uh, Fork in the Road? And I love the the main line too. I came to a fork in a, in a road and I went straight, but I was interested because my interpretation of that line, which I thought was really profound was kind of going your own way when presented with two stark choices. But I was totally. curious if you also saw it that way. That's exactly, that's exactly what the song is about. Um, just doing it my way. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut and, um, everybody there is pretty one track it's yeah it's either like you know you go to college and you come back and you work in finance or something and or a doctor or lawyer or whatever or you or you work like a trade i mean that's really your the two options there and um as soon as i graduated high school i i left i was like i just wanted to get the hell out of there and so i just i left at 19 headed to san diego and kind of did my own route and you know played in bands and just wasn't into that so um fork in the road is kind of kind of about that but then at the same time about just kind of being frustrated with you know things not working out also the way you, you kind of want them to yeah i kind of felt like part of the record was that frustration getting into your 20s and kind of dealing with these frustrations of life but then as i said i felt like it kind of ends with more introspective and reflective about things are going to be okay type of thing so it's cool it's it's a nice ride the whole record cool yeah i'm glad i'm glad that you hear it that way it's awesome yeah fork in the road definitely the standout track of bouncing along to that like nonstop all the time <laughs> but you also included a cover on the record by the scrotum poles, uh, pick the cat's eye out. How'd you wind up deciding to record a cover of that song for the record? And why'd you decide to 
included. So that's a really special song for the band. Um, we've been playing that song since our first show. Oh, wow. Um, it's a song that I really, really love. I think it's like a perfect song. Um, and not only that, like I think what I really first grabbed my attention when I first heard it is I thought it sounded totally like a clean song. It sounds so strikingly similar to If Anything Could Happen, the chords. Yeah. Um, so I thought on this record it would be really cool to record it, but um, kind of do it in a different way than they had done it and do it with acoustic guitars and try to make it sound like If Anything Could Happen. Um, so that was kind of the goal, was kind of like, to mesh those two songs the way I, I heard them in my head um, and pay tribute to both of them because they're both like two pivotal um, songs for me. Cool. Yeah, I love the way the song sounds and your interpretation of the song is excellent. Thank you. Tell me about the cover art. David painted it. Was that something that he had already painted and then you thought this would be good for the cover art or did he paint it after you gave him a little guidance about what you wanted it to look like? What's the story behind the cover art of a strange dream? The cover art, we we asked him if he, if he would be interested to do the cover art. I love his, the albums he's done. They have such a, um, you, you could instantly tell it's his, his work, you know, like, um, vehicle by the clean. And he did, he did the cover for, Sugar Mouth, I know that, yeah, and a great couple cover. of the cover that couple of the Heavy Eights albums he's done. He's done, and um, so I asked them to do it, and he he was so nice and agreed to do it. And he actually sent me like um, a few paintings he had already done, and, and said, um, "I think all of these would work great for the, for the cover. Which one do you like? And you you guys can use whichever one you like." And so I picked that one, and and I think it's just really not only does it fit the album perfect like especially the experience and the vibe of recording it really well but like uh i'm excited to when i see it and other have other people see it like in a record store you kind of if you're a fan of david kilgore you kind of automatically will yeah have your eyes drawn to it and be like oh what's what's this <laughs> <laughs> did did david have any cool stories from being in the clean back in the day and stuff like that he did yeah we, we we tried to get a lot of the stories as much as we could out of him but he he told us a cool story about playing golf with um grant mclennan and uh robert <laughs> forster awesome. yeah and he told us some stuff um about, about playing a show with the fall and, like they got they, he told us about that show and but we didn't really want to like I said, I was yeah. trying to be cool, be cool about it, and not be like a super fan, you know. So I, we weren't really uh, prodding him too hard on, yeah, yeah, on the yeah. past. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I, I interviewed the bats recently, and I was really curious about a lot of the past experiences that they had. But I also tried to restrain myself a little bit. I thought yeah. it was cool that they all lived together. <laughs> in Christchurch in the early 80s, they were telling me mm -hmm. in the interview, which must have been really fruitful, creative period for them, I felt oh, like. Oh, gosh. I bet. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, it must be so cool to live with your band. You can just write a song together anytime. Yeah, yeah sit on the couch, pick up the guitar type of thing. It is conducive to those kind of spontaneous songwriting mm -hmm. sessions and stuff like that. Speaking of, how do you approach songwriting? You're the primary songwriter for Smokescreens, right? Do you collaborate with the other members at all, or? Um, typically, like we collaborate in a way where um, I'll come up with the main kind of chunk of the song, the chords and the vocal melody, um, and then I'll bring it to the band, and they kind of fill in the spaces between. So it kind of works like that. I really liked the 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 harmonies on this this record too. How how'd you work those out in the studio? Did you do both all of the harmonies and stuff? Uh no, Corey um Cunningham who played guitar and some key keys on the record, he um did the harmonies. He does the backup vocals. He's no longer in the band at this point though. And What's what's next for the band now that a strange dream is out? It's been out for a couple of months, but 
I know there hasn't been any live music. Have you spent time writing music this year, preparing for the next release, even though your most recent record only came out a few months ago? Yeah, actually, I, when, when we first went on lockdown, I went out, I got a new computer and a Logic setup and started to write and record a ton of stuff. Um, nice. But then, but then I kind of hit a wall and yeah. for the past, past few months I've been kind of occupied getting ready for the baby. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I think when things kind of settle back down to normal, we'd love to, we really want to go to New Zealand and play some shows there and um, work on another album. Um, but I'm not in, in any rush for the for the album, for the next album to, to be done or recorded because uh, I feel like we have three records out in I think in four years and I want this next one you know, maybe it'll be a two-year or three-year wait till till the next record, and have it be really, you know, it's going to be hard to um, match the the last one. That's so I don't want to rush it or anything. Yeah, it, <laughs> this a strange dream is really, really excellent, excellent record, and best not to rush anything. But uh, it's really amazing that you had your first child recently how, how has that changed your outlook on music on life just a general question you know it's such a uh, incredible life moment it, it really does um everybody tells you it's going to change your life and it, it as soon as my son was born it totally does like um my number one priority now is to take care of him and keep make him healthy and make sure he's safe so everything else is secondary including music um, so it's just kind of a different lens and I think right now I'm totally consumed with my son but I think over time I'll adjust and you know figure out how to balance yeah my absolutely. love of music and my, you know just all the things I want to do in life and have a kid because I don't think it's healthy to just be a one thing and have a you know what I mean oh you yeah absolutely. Kind of be a well-rounded person and a, being a father will be a a part of my life, a big part of my life, but there'll also be other things too. Absolutely. And of course, I definitely want you to continue making music <laughs> because I love it. And so do a lot of other people who are fans of smoke screens. All right, now we're coming to that point in the program where we're going to play some songs from smoke screens, new record again, everyone it's called a strange dream and it's out now on slumber land records we're going to be playing the first three tracks fork in the road working title streets of despair and then we'll be skipping a couple of tracks on the album and we'll be playing i want to know
back we just heard four songs from smokescreens awesome new record again everyone it was my favorite record of 2020 it's called a strange dream and we heard the first three tracks fork in the road working title streets of despair and then we heard the sixth track on the record i want to know again everyone Get the album on vinyl via smokescreens.bandcamp.com or the Slumberland Records website. And of course, it's available on all streaming platforms. Now, we're going to talk about some records that Chris selected from my record collection. Starting with 
Pylon Crazy, which is off of the awesome new Pylon box set. Really, really cool, nice people. I'm Facebook friends with Vanessa Briscoe. Hey, and she's super nice. And Pylon is an incredible band. And this box set just came out this year and it includes all of their records, plus some bonus material as well. So everyone get it, it's out on New West Records. And you picked Crazy, which is from the ni- their 1983 album, Chomp. They're the real heroes of Athens, Georgia. I feel like they were the first, first band that led the charge at, for the B-52s and REM and all this different music that was coming out of there and the college rock sound that dominated uh-huh. the 1980s. Really incredible band. And they still play as Pylon Reenactment Society. They've toured around. They've been to Brooklyn a couple of years ago and stuff like that. And it's cool to see how they're managing their legacy and still putting out reissues and touring and things like that. So it's cool, great band. This song also awesome. Do you, uh, why'd you pick this song? Um, well, like you said, they are super nice people. We were lucky enough to play with Pylon Reenactment Society when they were on tour last. We played with them in San Diego, and it was, it was so cool to meet them. They're just such a such a cool band. Such a variety of sounds, like uh, from angular kind of post punk to jangly guitar rock. Um, they kind of can hit any thing from those points and anything in the middle um i picked that song because it, it's probably the jangliest of all their songs yeah, yeah. and um, i know i think our, I, I know rem covered it also um it's just an awesome song that i that i really really like and like you said they're super nice people and really cool band really really cool band shout out to pylon long live pylon and the yes. reenactment society. Next, Spring Rain by the Go-Betweens. It's in another box set that I have. G is for Go-Betweens. I think I, the one I have is the yellow one. It's the second box set the first one is green but this song appears on their 1986 album liberty bell and the black diamond and express and this is a band and a record that you've cited in the press you've done for a strange dream as a big influence on this record Totally. Um, I picked this song because we we lift the riff from spring rain right in the first second of of our album the opening riff on um fork in the road is right from the opening riff on spring rain it's the same exact thing and then we actually use that same little riff in um streets of despair in one part of the song so i love the go-betweens um i love almost all their songs Um, i picked that one because of those little those were the easter eggs so there you go (laughs) (laughs) it's it's cool did you were you into Flying Nun first and then work your way to these Australian bands or was it vice versa? Because for me, I feel like I was familiar with Flying Nun first and then realized, oh, the Go-Betweens, the Primitives, the all these other bands from Australia too that sound similar. Totally. Um, we did start, I did start with Flying Nun um, and then actually had a really cool friend who, who, sent me the go-between song um what was the song that he sent me people say and um it actually people say sounded to me really really similar to a desperate bicycle song if you know that band yeah um and that's where the band's name comes from smoke screens so it's like totally full circle so i heard that that um go-between song that i thought sounded like desperate bicycles and then from there i checked out their other stuff and then i was like whoa this sounds kind of like the bats. I thought it kind of reminded me of the bats a lot. And then just got really dove head deep into it. And they have a big catalog. So it was really cool to, to hear all of the stuff. And then their solos 
solo albums are great too oh yeah totally incredible band and they all have incredible solo stuff Next, the Feelies, probably my favorite band, so awesome, awesome pick. I'm a big, big fan. I go to see them every time they play in New York, New Jersey, around here. I'm kind of a little obsessed. But And uh, Fasse La, off of their 1980 album, Crazy Rhythms. This is, Crazy Rhythms is interesting. We were talking about earlier their change in sound from their 1980 album crazy rhythms to the good earth and crazy rhythms is great really jittery sort of post-punk but the guitars are a lot cleaner than most post-punk i'd say yeah i really i picked i picked that song because i also love the feelies um like i we said earlier and um the uh i just wanted to kind of talk about the um connection between all those bands that I like and the guitar and that like droney sound. Um, I think it's all reverts back to just Velvet Underground worship. So any band that's like copying the Velvet Underground, uh, yeah. you're probably going to find me copying that band. <laughs> the, the Feelies loved <laughs> the Velvet Underground and still do. Two years ago, they did this all Velvet Underground cover set here in Jersey City. It was fucking amazing. I was, oh, I was, I went into it with not really expecting anything, but it was an experience to see them play an hour of just all Velvet Underground covers. I feel like it's as close as you could get to seeing the Velvet Underground, basically. They really did the songs justice. It was really, really incredible. It was because there was the Velvet Underground experience exhibit in New York mm. that was going on. And they were supposed to do it at the exhibit, but then something happened and they, they couldn't make it work on site. So they did it at a venue here in Jersey City and it was really, really, really well done. They must have practiced a lot and put a lot of work into it because I was blown away. So it was really cool. And I, I, hope, bet, they, I hope they do that again soon or sometime in the future. I feel like it may have been a one-off thing, but... I loved it. Feel is if you're listening, Stan, everybody, do it again, please, and, and then do it in L.A. Yes, yes, they, they gotta go play out west. People want to see them. Yeah. Then, last but not least, Spins You Round. Also, my favorite song off of Here Come the Cars by David Kilgore, your friend and the guy that produced your record, A Strange Dream. And again, we were kind of talking about how the sound of Smokescreens, I feel like, evolved from more early clean sounding to this kind of David Kilgore solo stuff. So cool representation of where the band's at and things like that. Yeah, totally. Um, it's that song is my favorite song off the album too. And, um, I think you also, you hit the nail on the head. Um, it just shows the progression that we made and we really, we were listening to that album a ton, um, prior to recording. And then, even probably at the recording studio when David wasn't around, we were probably listening to it um, and playing that. We played that guitar riff like uh, as a joke to him a bunch, <laughs> like in, in between in between takes and stuff. Do, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. It's a yeah. good riff. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great song. It's I like that song because it's it's also very qu kind of quiet at times too. You know, it's really yeah. powerful in the the elements of the song that stand out really strike you hard, uh -huh. like that riff and his singing voice. Yeah, and the solo is great too. It's yeah. a really simple, maybe three notes in the solo, but 
it totally has that like velvety kind of feelizy kind of sound to the solo too so yeah it's all kind of connected and you know it comes full circle All right, we're going to play one more song from the record. We're going to play the final track, I Love Only You. Love this song. Very velvet underground-y. Yeah, we, that one, we um, it was a blend of a lot of things. Velvet Underground, it was definitely one of them. Um, Jesus and Mary Chain, that's like you yeah. know the drum beat we got you know from that. Then um, if you ever heard a Julian Cope song, it's called... Um, jelly pop perky jean it has the drum machine kind of thing so we we totally blended that into it and then um there's a uh what's the band uh 14 ice bears hay fever we kind of try to blend all those things into that one song and if you listen to those songs you'll totally hear it i think everyone you can get a strange dream on limited edition smoke color vinyl it's kind of like a gray and green sort of it looks great sounds great as well i'm a proud owner of the record everyone get it smokescreensla.bandcamp.com or through the slumberland records website also available on compact disc as well for all your car cd players and shit like that you know thank you so much for chatting with me chris it was really cool to talk to you about my favorite record of 2020 a strange dream thank you so much i mean that means so much to me and thanks very much for having me it was it was a pleasure to talk to you as well oh anytime everyone this is i love only you Down.